0: Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Sileme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Sileme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is Enabling Education in Africa. This week I'd like us to talk on a topic I've titled, Things Leaders and Teams Mustn't Be Willing to Do. In the previous episode, we spoke at some length about what leaders and teams must be willing to do in order to excel and progress. But I'd like us to now flip the script a little bit and speak about things the leader and teams mustn't be willing to do. Leaders and teams need to abide by ethical and moral codes. There have to be lines which none amongst the team must cross. Have you drawn any moral and ethical lines in your team or is everything permissible? Does your team know what behaviors will be tolerated and which will not? Sometimes leaders assume that everyone on the team knows what the boundaries are and they neglect to verbalize or even put down on paper exactly what is permissible and what isn't. Every team needs to have a policy document which outlines the the lines which are not to be crossed. In the Bible, we are given the Ten Commandments as instruction for behavior and conduct. Do you have a thou shall not list on your team? If boundaries are not demarcated, it's not easy to hold people accountable or liable when they behave unethical. In the corporate world, you know, sports, in media and entertainment, as well as other spheres, there are sometimes grey areas, and so a code of conduct should be in black and white to erase those grey areas. This is for the preservation and protection of the team. Such a code protects the team against reputation and financial loss. You know you don't want your team organization to end up on the front page for the wrong reasons. One contemporary example that comes to mind is that of the Australian cricket team, which played a Test series against South Africa in March 2018. One of the Australian players was caught on camera tampering with the ball to give his team an unfair advantage. Subsequently, him and two other senior players were banned and the coach that down. They made the front page for the wrong reasons, because they didn't just want to win, they were willing to win at all cost. A win at all cost culture can cost the team all it has. Initially, when you hear the phrase, win at all cost, you can be swindled into thinking that it is a, you know, it has a positive sentiment. After all, it talks about winning. The three words that muddy up this phrase are at all cost. These three words simply imply that a team should have no boundaries in its pursuit of victory. It implies that underhandedness is permissible if it leads us to victory. Not all paths to the victory line are honorable. As the Bible states in the book of Mark chapter 8 verse 36, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Close quote. What good is it to win if that victory is tainted by dishonor? That victory is not victory at all. It has been robbed of its glory because of the means by which it was attained. Such a victory brings sorrow instead of pleasure. It is short-lived and breeds a culture of mistrust in the team. After all, if you know that the people on your team uh, bribe, connive, and they manipulate in order to reach target. You will not readily trust such individuals. There is no honor amongst these. When a win-at-all-cost culture prevails in a team, it can cost the team all it has. It can cost the team all the integrity it has, all the camaraderie it has, and, and as briefly mentioned earlier, it can also cost it all the reputation and finances it has. The list of things that leaders and teams mustn't be willing to do is quite long and we cannot delve into everything but I'd like us to discuss a couple of them which I believe are broad enough to cover the majority of possible infringements or oversteps. A, unwilling to be unethical. The first one is unwilling to be unethical. You know, unethical behavior in the business environment has been the downfall of many leaders, teams and organizations. In business, money exchanges hands. There are various perks, benefits and so forth. This can create an environment where bribery, kickbacks and other unethical occurrences can be given a platform to blossom. However, unethical behavior isn't only prompted by greed or the love of money. There are various situations which can lead to the manifestation of this ill conduct within the organizations and in other parts of society as well. One of the things I found interesting when I looked up the term ethics is its origin. I learned from bbc.co.uk that the term comes from the Greek word ethos which can mean custom, habit, character or disposition. The root of a word is often quite telling and I believe this to be true in this instance as well. Let's look at the various associated terms individually, so we can extrapolate and dig further to gain a better understanding of what it means to be ethical or unethical and the different influences and nuances around ethical or unethical behavior. Firstly is custom. Customs are the traditions that certain groups adopt as standard practices. It's important to highlight the fact that when we speak of customs, it's about collectives, whether they they be families, you know, ethnic uh, groupings, organizations, or teams. These groups all have their customary norms. For example, a family may have the custom or tradition of going on twice every year. In most of the ethnic South African groupings, it is customary for a man to pay lobola, which is a form of dowry before he takes on a wife. Teams and organizations also have their customs and traditions. There are certain things that are done in the team or organization, and they become part of the customs. For example, I worked in an ad agency where every Thursday, teams within the organization alternated and made popcorn for everyone employed there. One Thursday, it would be the creative team's turn to make the popcorn. And the following Thursday, it would be the PR team's turn, and so forth. Another custom was that the organization would sponsor and provide lunch every second Friday of the month. The types of customs present within an organization or team can either promote ethical or unethical behavior. There aren't many organizations which would go out of their way to create customs that promote unethical behavior, but not all customs are planned. Just as you don't plan to have weeds in your garden, certain undesirable customs can sprout up in teams and organizations. Even if you don't plan to have weeds, you must have a plan of how to eradicate them. If unethical customs and behaviors are left to grow and flourish, they will end up choking and overtaking the entire garden and all you'll be left with are fruitless weeds. An example of such an occurrence is the one we spoke about earlier referencing. The student team which tampered with the ball when they were playing against South Africa. It was found that the coach had not been involved but because it happened right under his watch, he found it right that he should step down from his position. As a leader, he hadn't planned this unethical behavior, but he ended up feeling the brunt of the consequences. One of the questions that comes to mind when such a thing is uncovered is, how long has it been going on for? It's hard to imagine that this was the very first time that the team members had done this. It's more plausible that this behavior was customary. Another question that arises is, why were they comfortable enough to do this under his leadership? The second element to look at is the element of habit. Unlike custom, which we discussed, habit speaks more to the individual as opposed to the group. Your habits are your personal routines. They are the things you do daily to form and inform your behavior, and ultimately, your character. Your habits dictate your outcomes in life because they are those things you do so regularly and for so long that they have a lasting impact on what and who you become. If, for example, you have the habit of not finishing what you start and you never remedy this habit, you will reach the end of your life and look back to see a myriad of things you started but never brought to completion. Your habits also follow you into your workspace. There are habitual things that team members do within the organization that have an impact on the organization. Yes, habits are personal, but they impact the performance and outcomes of the group. For example, a team member who has unethical personal habits such as lying and scheming will bring those habits into the organization and they will do things like overcharging clients or ripping of supplies. These unethical habits, if not dealt with appropriately by the leader, will influence others in the group to do the same. This is true especially if that individual is seen to be getting rewarded for such behaviour. If, for example, that individual gets a bonus at the end of the year because they pumped up the profits through this unethical behaviour, then others in the team will be encouraged to follow the same individual patterns of that particular individual since, you know, That is the kind of behavior that is rewarded in that organization. These unethical practices and behaviors will become normalized and they will form part of the culture of the team or the organization. That which is unethical but accepted within the environment will over time become the norm. It will become how things are done in the environment. The important phrase there is over time. Habits and the effect they have are not felt overnight but over time. The influence of unethical behavior will not be instantaneous within the team, it will be gradual. It may be so gradual that it becomes almost unnoticeable until the effects become evident. So as a leader, it's important that you be vigilant and you keep abreast of the ethical climate within your team. If there are changes, be sensitive to them so that you can avoid a storm of troubles. The third element we need to discuss is character. The word cha Which is the core of the word character means to burn, scorch or sear. Whatever is burning in your heart informs your character. Burning in this sense speaks to passion. So what sets you on fire? What issue in the world is a burning issue for you? Remember that whatever burns you brands you. When they brand a car, they burn a mark onto its hide, and by that mark we are able to identify it. The thing that you are passionate about informs and identifies your character. It informs who you are, what you will do, and what you will pursue. Yes, your passion and your character are interlinked and intertwined. Passion speaks to what's taking place in your heart. but character is not only a matter of what, it's also a matter of how. You may be passionate about a certain thing and that's the what, but how will you attain that particular thing? Will you use any and all means to attain it, or will you follow ethical means? The ethics once subscribed to reveal the character of that person. If I am ethical in my conduct, it's a reflection on the type of character I possess. The bending of morals leads to a breaking of character, and a broken character is hard to mend. Safeguard your character by choosing to be ethical in your conduct. The next element to look at is disposition. Your disposition is your outlook on life. Disposition has an impact on how people behave, whether in an ethical manner or unethical manner. Your disposition can be informed by a variety of factors. And of the most important is your background and the influence it has had on you. Many people allow their history to determine their destiny. Perhaps there were no examples of good moral etiquette and sound ethical conduct in the homes they grew up in, and that tainted their view on life. Perhaps they had a manager who displayed unethical behavior. The things you have seen play an important role in shaping the way you see the world. Yes, they help form their disposition. Many people hold a particular view, and that view holds them back from producing what they're truly capable of producing. For example, one may hold the view that cutting corners and Taking the easy way out is the best method for getting results in life, and so they operate in that manner. They end up shortchanging their potential and short-circuiting their growth, and they wonder why they seem to be stuck in the same position. Is the view you hold holding you back? As a leader, you must create a viewpoint. What is a viewpoint? It is a view that the people on your team can point to as an exemplary way to behave and conduct themselves. You must create an ethical viewpoint that will have an impact on the disposition of your team members. Impact their view. Let them see what being ethical is about and show them that you can be both ethical and successful. Reprimand unethical behavior and set a standard and tone for the whole team. B. The team must be unwilling to sabotage one another. The word sabotage may seem like a strong word to use in the context of team, but sadly, it is relevant to many teams out there. The online dictionary defines sabotage as deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct, especially for political or military advantage. Close. Quote. The important thing to note here is that sabotage is deliberate and intentional. It's not accidental or a mistake. When a person seeks to sabotage another they sit down and devise a plan on how they are going to destroy, damage or struggle. Such action taken by team members on one another is that amount to cancer within a team. Sabotage will lead up a team from within, and if it is not dealt with, it can utterly destroy a team. There are several things which can cause team members to end up trying to sabotage one another. One of them is unhealthy competition within a team. When the team culture is such that the people within the team are trying to outdo one another, it can get quite intense. In the pursuit of outdoing one another, they can begin doing things to prevent the team members they are in competition against from moving forward. A team member can, for example, not tell a fellow team member about an important message that a client left for them so that they are not adequately informed to make right decisions. This may make that particular team member look incompetent. However, such behavior eventually hurts the whole team because it will reflect very negatively not only on the individual but on the team as a whole. Another manifestation of sabotage is in gossip amongst team members. When team members maliciously discuss other team members, it creates disdain and distrust within the team. People will begin viewing one another with eyes that are tainted by falsities and half-truths. This can destroy relationships and even end careers. It tarnishes reputations and blocks team progress. It breeds an environment where people are better and where revenge and getting even become the order of the day. In such a situation, even little things which would otherwise be overlooked and swept under the rug, spark great anger and they set tensions on fire. As a leader, you have to monitor the attitudes of your team members towards one another. If there is a competitive spirit within the team, is it healthy or healthy? Is it building the team and inspiring it to reach new heights? Or is it toxic and creating a negative atmosphere within the team? When tensions arise and team members clash, are these issues solved amicably or are they left to linger in the air? It's important to encourage a culture where team members forgive one another for wrongs they've committed against each other. If people are able to sit and talk about where they've wronged each other and how better to move forward, then they would be unwilling to sabotage one another. Well, we've come to the end of this week's episode of Leading with Confidence. Join us again, right you. Cheers.